Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Time for Counterpoint. We welcome John Raz, former liberal war room director who's probably now in therapy, and uh, Bill Hutchison, former journalist and now professor over at Seneca. I'm only in therapy because of this show. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. Um, All right, let's start with uh, Doug Ford. Um, He's going to be calling the House back for a summer session. He's going to cut the gas tax, and he's going to order back uh, to work legislation that could end that four-month strike that has been plaguing York University students. I'll start with you, Bill, on this. Uh, Is this the first fight he's going to pick with the unions? Probably, but I don't think uh, the union members are all that upset about it. Uh, some of them actually are voting. The contract faculty are voting today on whether or not to accept the latest offer from from the university. So one third of them may actually go back, and that's what happened in the last strike three years ago. Uh, the others are, are tired, I think, of being out there. Uh, I don't think that they, I don't think they're going to win, and I think they realize that they're not going to win. So uh, I think being legislated back is probably. Um, not going to upset that many people. I don't think so either, uh, John, but you know that there are certain groups that have definitely made it known that they're not going to allow Doug Ford to govern no matter what. They're already planning a protest uh, the day after he is sworn in. Um, and, you know, this would be a great opportunity for the unions to say, see, see how draconian he is. He's interfering. But again, if you look at the pulse of just everyday people, they want this crap to stop. Well, I, you know, I, I, when I think of this issue, I think of the students. Yep. That the whole system is set up to the benefit of students, not for the benefit of tenured faculty who, who demand money. That is all. I mean, ninety percent of our universities are subsidized not by tuition or anything else, but by tax dollars. And so, um, on this one, I'm with Doug Ford. I hope he orders him back. I hope he orders him back fast. This is not actually the tenured faculty that's out on strike. It's the people who are contract and and the teaching assistants. Um, but I know with the college strike, uh, it lasted five weeks and I was part of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was quite happy when we got legislated back to work. So I don't think there's a lot of objection to it there. And I talked to a number of them and said, you know, that this is just hurting York university's reputation. Because if, sure. if I'm a parent with a kid who's deciding which university to go to in the fall, yeah. am I sending them to York? This is the After third, stri- stri- third strike oh, in 10 second. years. Yeah. It's a second in, in some, some students who are, are, you know, uh, finishing their degree or supposed to be finishing their degree have gone through two strikes uh, in, in their university career. Do you want that? So I, I, I had this dis- debate with some uh, teaching assistants on, on the picket line when I was sitting there for an hour waiting to get through the picket <laughs> line. Um, I was very happy about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, but I explained to them, I said, you know, they're going to need fewer teaching assistants because the enrollment's going to be down. Yeah, you no guys kidding. think about that? Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to uh, whether it's the teachers union or public schools or when it comes to the administration or the faculty, tenured or not, at, at universities, it doesn't matter who's in power. There's no pleasing them. Bob Ray learned that lesson. Uh, and the conservatives had their problems. And the liberals, of course, did everything over the last 15 years to try and appease teachers unions and university faculty. And it's never enough. And uh, maybe we need to rewrite the legislation. Maybe we need to explain to people. It's somewhat akin to moving into downtown Toronto right next to a nightclub and then complaining about the noise. If you're going to choose to do this for a living, and it's a pretty good living, and I think it's a rewarding one. I know you enjoy teaching. We've talked about it off the air. Um, Then do it. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is the public teat is clearly never big enough, ever. So, all right, let's talk about um, the massive golden handshakes being handed out to a number of outgoing Liberal MPPs. And, of course, this is a policy that went in under Mike Harris, who did cut pension packages. But 
I got to wonder, we're starting to learn how many people are out of jobs. So a lot of pink slips going out because such a high number of liberals were fired. I have no issue with people getting a severance. I do have an issue, however, for the 12 MPPs who decided to jump ship before the election. How in God's name is it okay that they're getting a $216 severance check? I mean, that was their choice, John. Just $216? Yeah. $216,000. Oh, I understand. Yes. Including yeah. Eric Hoskins who went on to a federal... Yeah. Well, I would say this. Uh, we uh, pay our MPPs and our MPs and our city councillors and our mayor pretty well, I think. Uh, lots of non-taxable benefits there as well. But what you're asking people to do, people of merit, and God knows we don't get enough of them. We get a lot of people who seem to need a job. I would much rather get people who don't need a job, who want to do some public service. But what we're asking them to do is say, you're going to put your career on hold. That's their choice. Yes, it is, but you still need people like that, and you want the best, and they could make more in the private sector. And so it seems to me if you ask them to come and interrupt their lives to serve the public that you got to give them something on the oh, way out. come Are you kidding Hold on, me? hold on. You say that they could make <laughs> more in the private kidding? sector. That there's there's an awful lot of people who do get elected. First of all, there's no shortage of people who want to get elected. No kidding. Who, who line up uh, for the for the opportunity to, to run. Oh, geez, Secondly, I wouldn't hire, I wouldn't hire half of them to wash my car. In the last election, there were a lot of people who wanted to to run um not all of them would make more money in the private sector right they do extremely well and the average person if they lose their job they get two weeks per every year that they were that they were employed so if you were a liberal mpp for the last 15 years you would get uh what 30 30 weeks from that which is uh, about sixty-seven thousand dollars for 15 for 15 years but parliamentary assistants who have four years experience are getting sixty-seven thousand dollars Cabinet ministers should be getting about 90000 if they've been a cabinet minister for 15 years, and they're getting a quarter of a million. Yeah, like why it's would a guy totally like Glenn Murray, who went to a, a pretty cushy gig at the Pembina Institute... Or, or yeah, Hoskins, like you, Eric yeah, Hoskins. Well, yeah, Hoskins, sorry. I'm sorry. I think you guys Go actually picked two government. interesting guys who were actually pretty qualified, got a lot done with their oh, lives, interesting, well-educated, good public on, They went on to other jobs. Like Eric Hoskins left to go work for the federal government on the, the pharmacy something uh, there. file. Well, whether he's going to, I, I agree, he's probably going to screw that up too. The packages have to be commensurate with what the private sector is offering. Well, there, now, there, there's an efficiency wanna... though for Doug Ford. He could easily reduce those and say, "Hey, you get paid for the weeks that you were in service," because that's how it's done in the private sector. Yeah. That's a great way to cut, you know, uh, costs. Or we could mitigate it by uh, holding them accountable uh, for their attendance. That would be an interesting Or we could right? actually hold them, like, maybe just on, on basis of performance. And if you screwed the taxpayers over and your ministry cost us billions of dollars, guess what? You don't get a severance. You know, if not, your not policies support. actually cost <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people their jobs, yeah. you should get the same severance that they got for their jobs. Oh, that's See, we fixed it. That's absurd. That's <laughs> no, absurd. that's fair. Look, that's... Bill, I'm with you. I wouldn't hire half of these, half of these people to, to wash my car. Uh, and, and and that's a fact. And and uh, as somebody who's run, I think over forty campaigns, I would say only about a third of those people, I thought, were doing it for the right reason. Which, as you say, I have the education, I have the experience in private sector. I genuinely do something for the public good on behalf of people and represent and participate in a democratic system. And I should yeah, be if, if you, well paid yeah, to do that because I've given up a lot. If you bail lot. before your term is up, sorry, that's your choice. You know, if you lose your job mm. because of an actual election and you're voted out. That's different, but well, again, she who yeah, you know, you she who for formerly that, must be obeyed, but she's gone now. You know, was asked to leave. These people left in protest of a leadership within my party, my former party, <laughs> and uh, and and I sort of get why they went. 
uh, while the going was good, because mm-hmm. as you um, rightly pointed out at the beginning of the segment, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of liberal apparatchiks and staffers and former MPPs and parliamentary secretaries and pro- who are out looking for a job in a pretty dark world. Is there any other job wilderness. where you could quit your job and get a quarter of a million dollar severance and go to a better job? Hydro. Oh no! I, no, hold on, hold on. What about science, what about what about Scientology? I mean, come on. Excuse me. What? You're using Scientology to justify this. I think it's time for a break. Okay. Quick break here at eight twenty nine. When we come back, is Canada being held hostage by milk and egg farmers? We'll talk about that next here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions, going head to head with Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 8.34, we got Bill Hutchison and John Mraz facing off. Let's talk a little bit about this headline out of Ottawa where Andrew Scheer uh, kicks Maxime Bernier from uh, a Tory French uh, front bench. Um, he ran for the leadership promising to eliminate Canada's supply management, and Scheer won the leadership thanks to the support of that said management. Now... Most people say, I don't care about this, this is internal politics, but supply management is one of these big bones of contention for Donald Trump. It's the one issue that, uh, you know, is holding up NAFTA. And essentially, Bill, I'll start with you, but, you know, we're talking about a group of about 10,000 dairy farmers, which some call a dairy cartel, which is putting our whole country at risk. And apparently not one politician, not anybody on any side of the aisle, even Doug Ford, who was asked about it, they all support it. So we're pandering to a very small group. It is a very powerful lobby. It is. Uh, I get it, but how? First of all, 49% of them are in, uh, dairy farmers are in Quebec. So, you know, there's a strong block right there along a large block of votes that that, uh, are at risk. Um, But the dairy farmers, uh, they're worth a couple billion dollars in in industry in in the country. So they shouldn't need our protection then. They don't. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you reframe this argument and, and, or this debate and and explain it to the average person, to the, to the family that's struggling to make ends meet, by the way, you know, you're spending an extra $600 a year on dairy products and and poultry products to Mm -hmm. feed your family. And that's going straight into the pockets of dairy and, and poultry farmers who are on average making $105,000 a year after expenses, and you're getting by on an average of, what, $78,000 a year? So if, if you look at it that way, it's costing the average the average person. A lot of people, and it hits the lower income yeah. people a lot harder. Yeah. Somebody who's trying to get by on $45,000 a year, and, and maybe a single parent who has a couple of kids, they're paying an extra five or $600 a year. And there's no local activist, yeah. poverty activist going after that. But John, you know, I'll point out, and I get how hard farmers work, but other farmers don't get this treatment. There are a lot of farmers across this country that don't get the same kind of protection. Of um, and we seem to be kind of putting a, a major national deal in jeopardy to protect one small group. I think there are two issues I'd like to talk about. The, the first one is that, that Donald Trump has at least, weirdly, I'm going to say something positive about Donald Trump, catalyzed a conversation about whether it's this or it's the wheat board and the traditional way that we have done agrarian, uh, you know, agrarian business in Canada. And we have been an agricultural economy. uh, This isn't just Donald Trump, though. 
Barack Obama had a problem with it as That's well. That's correct. This was an issue during the That's Trans-Pacific correct. Partnership. But, uh, but Barack Obama did not rip open and, and rip apart you know, NAFTA and our trade agreements and say, hey, guys, let's all get on the same side here. But no politicians will say, hey, it's time we Having had a discussion. Said that, the United States, Except Maxine Bernier. Well, the United yes. States <laughs> subsidizes the heck out of a lot of its sectors in the agricultural sector. They do it differently than we do. And so it's very tough to measure who is being subsidized to uh, you know, to a greater better. So then, how come the other farmers don't? Like, how come the guy growing soy or the or the farmer out you know in Holland Marsh? I mean, yeah, cow, beef farmers in yeah. uh, in in Calgary, yeah. Alberta, they don't get any protection. These are all these are all grandfathered, uh, uh, you know, sort of ar- grandfathered. It's an old archaic socialist, it's, that socialist is system. That is correct. That should be uh, disbanded. Yeah. Should be taken apart. As to Maxime Bermier, just to go back to where you started on this file, being kicked off the front bench. Uh, yesterday, mistake, I think it was Samara who put out a very good report on what it was like to be a member of parliament under our current party system. And the stories are from every corner, from every party. I have no say. I'm not allowed to object to my party's policies, even if that represents the will and the views of my constituency, which is ostensibly what I'm doing here, which mm-hmm. is representing voters, not representing party interests above voters. And... I think that, you know, Bernier is being kicked off that bench. Whatever the excuse was, is simply sheer saying, I will not have somebody who would, competes with me for ideas well, and undermines. Well, then shame on him, because you know what? Last time I checked, if you're a conservative, you believe in free thought and free speech. And shame on him. And, I think and this by will the way, cost last him. Time, if you're a real liberal, I'm not talking about a Kathleen Wynne liberal, but a real liberal, you believe in the exact same thing. And... I will report, sadly, that you know my time on the Hill, it was, it was clear to me that 90% of the MPs working in the Liberal caucus were given you know a comic book and an apple in their briefcase and marching orders on what to do at committee. And you know all the way down to, in this, in this great report yesterday, it's merited uh, uh, two parties objecting to the change of grammar in, in, in a committee report because we wouldn't want to give them the win. Doesn't matter which party did it to this party. This is just asinine. It's stupid. And party whip and party discipline cannot supersede the will of voters. So let's see but where that's voters... why we have to pay them well to get those great brains yeah. in there. Only they can. I do didn't this. say our recruitment policies. Any of the um, parties were terrific. I, I just a, said we, we could do better. I don't have a lot of time for this last one because um, I've got to get to a break. But um, the Senate and uh, the Liberal Party seem to be in a bit of a showdown over pot. The Senate giving thirteen reje- uh, recommendations, all of which have been ignored, including growing pot at homes. So the Liberals are saying, "Hey, too bad." Uh, where do you see this going? Well, first of all, they'll smoke some of their own product and forget what they were doing by tomorrow. Maybe <laughs> order the idea. Senate or the, maybe, or the Liberal maybe Party. Order some, maybe order some pizza. Uh, I'm, I, you know, it, it's interesting to see an activist Senate. We haven't seen one really in our lifetimes because it was always a partisan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were partisan blocks. Um, I, I think this is a really confused file. I, I, if you walk down the streets of Toronto, you'd think that marijuana already was legal. Lots mm-hmm. of people have their hooks and are producing in. I think it's it's a tiger that almost is seemingly untamed. If you listen to the experts, and I'm not talking about people, you know, with like a two-foot Cheech and Chong doobie in their mouth. I'm talking about scientists. The experts in the field say we're doing this all wrong. Uh, and we're, we're a global experiment. Everybody's watching us. Stephen Harper who was no fan, as we know, of, of marijuana use, consumption, whatever, he actually started the infrastructure right because he was so cautious. He said, we're going to regulate this, we're going to do it right. It's a wild west out there. Lots of money is being made. As I understand it, lots of the mob that used to sell all these drugs are now shelled by fronts, good-looking fronts, yeah. and they continue. And that's why the Senate brought forward that recommendation right. that you name the directors and the owners of the companies. And, right. and yet the government says, oh, no, we're not going to do that. 
That's, that would embarrass people. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know what? In about three months when this stuff is all coming out, look, they've been warned many times. Um, and, and again, we're still not talking about the fact that we still can't even police this stuff. No. We can't police it for, for those who are impaired on the road. But all- so there's going to be problems. I've got to wrap it there because I'm late. But the bottom line is, uh, I, I don't know if there's enough pot to dull the senses on this one, but I guess we're going to we're gonna learn by trial by error. Sure. Sure. All right. <laughs> Smoke them if you got them, guys. Got to let you go there. Thank you, Bill Hutchison and John Raz, joining me tonight. To your On Point, I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.